Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. And the Animation Deliberation Podcast. Today we're coming to you live as we talk about the newest episode of The Bad Batch. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined today by J. Scotty St. Clair of the Animation Liberation Podcast, who's partnering with us on the Bad Batch discussions. J. Scotty, how are we doing today? I'm doing incredible. Uh, really, really enjoyed this episode, and I'm super excited to talk about it. And uh, super excited to have Brian back as well. So, Yeah, Brian, good to have you with us. Uh, Brian V. Klein, who's kind of a regular panda. I think at this point you have podcasted on every one of the uh, different shows without being a host of any of them, which is quite a feat. <laughs> Uh, I think we get you a bingo chart pretty soon. How are you doing today? <laughs> uh, that the reason for that is that's because I don't have to do any of the the postal uh, show work, like the <laughs> editing or stuff. But I'm I'm actually doing great. Uh, this, it's great to be back in the actual. Uh, not this time we're not in the secret lab on Camino like we were for the first episode when uh-huh. we were all together. But <laughs> like Jay Sky said, this was a uh, an action packed uh, episode, and can't wait to talk about it. Awesome, awesome. All right, well let's just get started there. What'd y'all think this episode? Give it kind of some general thoughts. BVK, take it away. What you got? Um, I loved right off the bat that there was a couple cool shout outs to some older properties like the Clone Wars. And then once they got onto uh, the planet and or actually it's the moon. But once they got on there and just uh, started the, the whole point of the, the it didn't move the plot along, but it was such action packed and just seeing the characters and seeing. Omega. Every episode, I love Omega more and more. There's a character yeah. that when she was introduced beforehand, I was sort of indifferent about, but now it's like I can't wait to see her on screen because she's just like the wide-eyed innocence of her exploring all this stuff. is. I felt like this episode was interesting because you're right, it didn't really move the plot along. and On one level, it feels like it was kind of filler, but it also kind of reminded me like this show is not doing the Disney Plus six episodes, eight episodes. We're going to rush and tell you everything as fast as we can. This show is really taking its time. It's much more like a traditional, like, you know, the kind of shows we used to get all the time where there might be a, a, a looming plot in the background, but there's also just a lot of, like, letting the characters live in the world and letting the characters get to know them. And I think I, you know, I, I think I could have dealt with a little more plot in this. Like, I would have liked a little bit more of, like, what's Tarkin up to in them, but but just getting to have more, I mean, getting Shand introduced was fantastic and the action was great. And you're right. I just liked seeing more of these relationships to let develop with all the characters. I think there was one actual thing that a plot point that sort of wasn't. It, it's not really a plot point, but Wrecker keep hitting his head in every <laughs> yes. episode. I think that is going to end up coming to a uh, like a. Uh, it's it's something big is going to happen with that because last week when he just had those headaches and he hit his head and the whole chip thing, I think something's going to happen with that character, good or I bad. I don't know. True. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, uh, for me, I know one of the expectations I, and, and hopes I kind of voiced for this series is that it would, you know, uh, fill in some of those gaps for that that Rogue uh, Rogue One kind of time period. And for me, this episode definitely did that. I got, you know, just the inclusion of the character of Fennec Shan, tying it back to the Mandalorian, um, getting to spend time on this moon, Pantora, a planet that I was not familiar with. I was not familiar with either planet that got mentioned at the top of the episode, mm-hmm. but I, I really love the imagery, just getting to see all these different alien species. It took me right back to that original trilogy, being there in, uh, almost in Mos Eisley Cantina. Uh, that Celestin character gave me, like, Watto vibes. So it's just doing exactly what I wanted it to do. It's, like, uniting all the various uh, corners of the fandom, and, and that synergy is just there. So 
Um, I, I can agree with some of the things you're saying about not much plot there, but uh, I, I wouldn't qualify it as a, a filler between the camera work, the animation, the action, the character interactions like Tech and Wrecker stick out um, particularly. I, I love some of their interactions. Just stellar episode for me from top to bottom. Definitely. Definitely. I can hear that. So, Brian V. Klein, you're basically our walking, talking Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Pantera, Pantera and what's the uh, – sorry, Pantora. Pantera is a band I really enjoyed in high school. Yes. Pantora. What's the uh, significance of that planet that we went to today? Okay, so back in season one of The Clone Wars, there was an episode called Trespass where the main planet, Ordo Plutonia, which is an, um, an ice-covered planet, has a moon. I mean, Pantora is the moon, which is where if you notice all of the – People that were native there, a lot of the vendors and the police had blue skin because that's what uh, the native Pantorans have. Interesting. But the, but the Order of Plutonia, there was an episode where Obi-Wan and Anakin had to go and uh, there was quote-unquote creatures living on this planet, which are the Tals. If you remember mm-hmm. from A New Hope in the cantina scene, there was one creature which was a tall, like white furry creature. They had like a little uh, straw almost for a mouth. Yes. That's the character. Okay. And they they were inhabiting that planet as a they had like a, a settlement there. They realized they were sentient, and it was it was actually really cool. And another um, clone based action packed episode, sort of like how this one was. Um, the first planet they mentioned, the Idaflor, was a brand mm. new planet. I double checked on that on Wikipedia yeah, this morning. I did too. It was it's amazing. I'm watching the show at two o'clock at two thirty when it ended. I go on Wikipedia, and there's already a full page for this planet. I go. <laughs> There must be a team of people that just go bam and put it right on. I'm like, oh, I guess okay, yes, it is brand yeah. new. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's funny before we were talking about how we're a little bit sad that a lot of the great Marvel TV shows, like on Netflix, are no longer going to be canon. And I get the concern of you don't want someone to go to the movie and feel like they don't understand because they haven't seen the earlier TV show. I feel like Bad Batch is right now giving us a master class in how to acknowledge that earlier content without it ever being uh, less accessible. Because, you know, like you said, Jay Scotty, like, I don't think, you didn't feel like you lost out on this episode at all by not having known what Pintero was, right? Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I've been on record saying I have not watched The Clone Wars, but I do have that connection to to the films and whatnot. But I'd be really interested to hear from somebody, you know, like, this is their first foray into Star Wars. I, I think you're totally right. I don't think it matters what your level of familiarity is. The show is doing a, a excellent job of, of telling, you know, compelling story, giving us compelling characters, and planning those uh, those references and callbacks to, to the, the greater lore without losing you. So, yeah, great call there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think exactly because like I I just I had such a great moment like Pantora Pantera I love this so much um, uh, even though so, I can't pronounce it properly but yeah I saw um my my volume's a little bit quieter yeah. I've now turned it up a bit better is that cool. better hopefully that that'll be better uh, so let's talk about some else some else we get in the episode first of all um we get uh, Fennec Shand has shown up how do y'all feel about uh, uh seeing her and also this is one of those times where a character we've seen live action now appears animated which is always going to be a little bit of a a switch but I. I just was, I had no trouble seeing the same character. I was like, especially because it's her 20 years earlier. I think that gives a lot of leeway to be like, of course, it's not going to look exact. She's not going to look exactly the same. Hmm. But I just, I had to hear that voice for like three seconds and I just knew exactly who she was. And I was so ready to see where that story went. Oh, exactly. And, and, and also, uh, if you ever look at what Ming-Na Wen looked like 25 years ago, she looks the same then as she does now. So she doesn't <laughs> age in real life. So her character probably doesn't age either like that, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was totally recognizable as soon as they you saw the the helmet. It's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. 
another connection, which is what they're and like. Again, it's not another thing because they never even mentioned her name or what she was other than a bounty hunter in the show. So it's uh, it's not beating it over the head where it's necessary to know, but it gives people the opportunity to dig a little deeper and be like, oh, okay. And then you could also look at that property now then. Exactly. Yeah, because again, I mean, Fennec Shand, she's very well known now because she appeared in The Mandalorian, which is very popular, but she yeah. never appeared in a movie. So I think that's another case where even if you haven't seen her before, uh, though, I think the, the bar, the Mandalorian, I think, is now one of the most watched of the Star Wars properties. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're sleeping on that, then, you know, why are you listening to this podcast right now? Watch The Mandalorian come back. <laughs> Definitely and check out watch Mandalorian. It. Yeah. <laughs> but I... I just loved I love seeing her because you know it was great seeing that she's kind of she's very manipulative like she was very good with Omega to start out with uh, and and kind of convincing her she goes into the combat and she's clearly very good at the combat mm-hmm. and uh, in terms of establishing like this is not just a kids show uh, I want to quote a uh, uh, panda regular Catherine Ray who said and I quote I was hella stoked to see a straight up murder because um, <laughs> that's kind of how I felt like you know the first one of the first things we see her do is just throw a guy off a speeder bike. Mm-hmm. And often, like in the Clone Wars, you'd almost always get a scene of that person landing and looking like sad and upset and hurt, but okay. We or the, or them panning away and you sort of have to elude with what they what happened. Yeah. Right. I was going to say if it's the films, you'd probably have them fall off screen accompanied by the Wilhelm scream. The Wilhelm scream, yeah. Right. yeah. But so, so we get that, which is like, okay, that person's probably dead. And then later, there's two cops who are chasing her, <laughs> who she just straight up like shoots and they crash. So I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, we have a straight up killer on the screen now, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, there's no guessing on that one. Your, your imagination does not have to be used. That guy was shot point blank, and if he mm-hmm. survived that, then you know more power to him. But the crash probably killed him as well. It took out the other guy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not only that, he hits that. They crash. They hit the wall. They explode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, she's, she's got two cops and a civilian dead so far. So we'll we'll kind of keep a track of that. <laughs> and that's that's what shows it's leaning a little bit more towards, I think, away from the kid side. Because I remember originally when the Clone Wars was on, it was on Cartoon Network, and there was one scene in an episode where Asajj um, impales a clone, and in the meantime, okay. she pulls his head closer to him and gives him a kiss. While this, the, this lightsaber is going through him, and that like <clears throat> sent the censors in a tizzy. So when oh, they yeah. actually aired it the second time, they had to frame it to where they didn't see <laughs> the blade, and they didn't they just saw the kiss. And now in this one, it's just like that's not even uh, like cause for any kind of concern anymore. Yeah, like. yeah, I yeah. remember seeing that scene, and it, it's it's so out of touch with anything Star Wars. I mean, it was a great scene, and I'm sure a lot of young people discovered a lot of things about themselves watching that <laughs> scene. But it was so like. That's not what I expect from the Clone Wars. Even back then, I had a. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even call it unnatural. I mean, the, the character of Asajj was such a, a sexy and just well developed character. You couldn't help but you know that her evilness was just there was an attractiveness to it. Yeah, definitely. One thing I also really like about, and we'll talk more about Shand in a moment, but I like that we we have this interesting scene where Omega says to Shand. You know, Shan kind of sets something up. She knocks into someone, some fruit spills, and then they, they steal the, the fruit. In what's one of the least subtle ways I've ever seen. I have no idea where the fruit seller was looking. that They didn't obviously see it happen. But <laughs> yeah. putting that aside, <clears throat> and then Omega says, you know, isn't that, isn't that wrong? And, and Shan says, it's okay to break the rules sometimes. And so we've already established this kind of, like, Omega is a little troubled by, like, rule. She's very much kind of a, everything is supposed to be exactly right. But what I thought was so interesting is they do that in the same episode where our heroes are basically stealing everything that's not nailed down. Like, mm-hmm. 
I get they needed money. I kind of feel bad for the guy who bought a droid that turns out not to be a droid. He's now out 3,000 credits. <laughs> Some other person just, like, had their own motorbike stolen by, I think, Tack or Echo. Like, yeah. I like that we're getting the Bad Batch. Are not, they're not choir boys either. You know, they're pretty – they didn't kill anybody. Shand went a step further. But, you know, they were pretty happy to be like, okay, we need credits. You know, here's a droid. Oops. You know? the, the Bad Batch pretty much right now for us older folks and some of you younger people will probably recognize it too. They're, they are the A-team. They are a rogue band of renegade mercenaries almost now that are going from job to job living, you know, because they're off the, I mean, they're wanted. They have to, that was part of the, the one of the plot, subplots of this show was them having to tra- change their transponder so they're not, rec- their ship's not recognized anymore. Right. So yeah. now they're going to have to do a lot of things that weren't, I mean, they were designed to be the, the dirty workers anyway of the clones, but now they're using it as almost like a survival method. Yeah, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't the series itself like born out of the fact that George Lucas always kind of wanted to do his own dirty dozen? Yeah, so, like, that's for, the, for yeah. the most point, yeah. 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 Um, I, I do want to bring up with that whole uh, Echo acting as the droid. I, I love that haggling scene and determining exactly how much okay. Echo's worth. That, that whole thing, especially when when he first was had that, like, oh, you'll be recognizable. And he's not, not like this. When they're on the ship, I go, they're going to think he's a droid. And then when that whole thing happened where they wouldn't take the uh, whatever um, uh, they were trying to sell, I think it was like a bomb or something like that, or an explosive. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're going to sell, they're going to sell Echo as a droid, and then just they're hilarious. I mean, because that's what shows this this episode had such a lot of levity, it had a lot of humor, but then it also, like I said, had a straight up murder in it too. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, little this, little that. That's yeah. fine. Like a Die Hard movie. Yeah, I, I loved everything about that scene. I thought the haggling was hilarious. I loved Echo then dealing with the droids himself. You know, when you have the kind of school marmish three uh, PO line droid who's very upset about this, the astromechs who were just like, sure, let's go on an adventure. I'm down for that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all of them felt very much in line with the, like, these are new individual droids, although pink might have been a reference to something from the Clone Wars. Uh, but but they're basically all acting the way we expect. Like, astromechs have kind of a general style of acting. 3PO droids have kind of a general style, and they were all perfectly within that. And there was oh, also a definitely. newer droid that was the one, I think, that did the uh, the main repair sort of looked like uh, Twiggy from the Buck Rogers because he had like the arms and the legs that were oh, sort yeah, of the, yeah. Yeah, the kind of vacuum tube arms the vacuum yeah. tube arms like, which mm-hmm. is kind of another yeah. throwback they always seem to do a lot of light homages to other um, you know other properties from beforehand so that one I think was either it was intentional I mean with Filoni now anything that looks like it might be unintentional is probably 100% intentional so yeah, oh, sure. I think it's very true like uh, I Go ahead, just go. Ahead. Uh, I just the other thing I wanted to say about that scene is that it's it's subtle but significant character growth for Tech because like the last time we saw him have significant interaction with droids, I, th- I think was in the, the the long first episode where the medical droids were kind of descending on him and he had that freakout moment. So oh, that's um, I really appreciated yeah. that aspect of it. That's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, so let's talk about other things. One thing I thought was kind of interesting, and it, it, there's so many times where. Like, when I was watching The Clone Wars, honestly, I had to be careful not to give the writers too much credit. Because it would be like, here's a really interesting thing where, like, it looks like the characters did something dumb, but maybe it's brilliant if you really go deep on it. And then you had to kind of remember, like, the writers are not going that deep that often. Uh, sometimes they very much were. Here, though, I feel like they really often are. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you all caught this. Tech makes a big deal about how they can hide the ship by changing the um you know the the code so that people won't be able to find it that way 
And then the ship lands, and people do find the ship through the very, like, non-tech of just looking at it and recognizing it, like, people are looking for this kind of ship. It, it felt to me like that was kind of a blind spot tech has, of, like, he's thinking so much in terms of, like, the high tech that he kind of forgets, like, someone might just recognize the ship. I think he's, um, he's looking more of the, at the macro instead of the micro. Yeah. And yeah. And it just happened to be that, yeah, because a lot of times when the transponder will be recognized, you're not in visual um, proximity of it. So with this mm-hmm. literally landing in the bay, the guy just is like, oh, it, it's right there. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call out. It kind of reminds me of um, a couple of episodes prior when he had the idea to let the ship get abducted, um, mm-hmm. but he kind of acted with autonomy and didn't know that, you know, Omega was on the ship, so. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a disconnect there. As much as I I love tech, he's got some uh, some room to grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they definitely all do. I mean, I I wrote it down at one point. Um, we get more Uncle Wrecker moments, which I now want some. I want Bradley in Wrecker's voice to cover a song by Uncle Cracker because to me the, <laughs> those two things are just so linked right now. But I, I wrote down he he's good with Uncle kids. Wrecker. <laughs> he he's good with kids. He's bad with bounty hunters. Because oh, yeah. he has this yeah. great moment with Omega, and it's like, don't worry, I got it. And then just Fennec just wipes the floor with him in one move. In one move, yeah. I think that they're sort of, each one of those characters, each one of the Bad Batch, the main, were introduced as a very narrow vision. I mean, it's Tech was the tech guy, and Wrecker right. was the, the strength. And they are expanding their, their roles to be more... Um, uh, for lack of a better word, expansive, where it's not just, like you're saying, is that Wrecker is becoming more of a father figure to Amiga. And so right. they're not just being, oh, that this character is just going to do that. So um, I give I give the, credits full, or the writers full credit for that one. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's not just Wrecker that gets um, taken out in, like, pretty much one hit by Finnick. Also, Rex gets, you know, I love the choreography of that, that brief interaction that they had, but... Uh, that's that's the second time he's been taken out, you know, Wait, Rex? relatively easily. Yeah. Oh, not Rex. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. I, I, that's I mean, like, I like... it's the Rambo thing. He, he looks like he should be named <laughs> Rex. Okay. Oh, it's funny you go for Rambo because like Rex is a very big character from the Clone Wars, which I know you haven't seen. So yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I think also one thing they're establishing there is a they're giving us more of the characters, but also maybe they're really showing us like each of them is so specialized. That when these five people are a team and they're all covering each other's deficiencies with their own things, they're fen- phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of like Hunter on his own can do pretty good. But a lot of them on their own, like you, you get Tech in a corner with a blaster, he's in real trouble. You get Wrecker against someone who can outsmart him, he's in real trouble. You know, each of them on their own can have some real problems because they're so specialized. Yeah, that's that's such a valid point. But uh, on the other side of it, I, I do think it just you know makes. Finnick Shan that much more badass and seeing how capable she is. Yeah. Uh, Love to see it. Yeah. Now I'm not much of a, uh, a visual fight guy, but I know you all were talking about it. Tell us about the fight scenes and like the, the chase scenes and what y'all appreciated about those. Yeah. I mean, they were just so high octane. The, The main thing that stuck out to me was the, the camera placement and the camera movement. We had a lot of tracking shots and when it comes to animation, like that's, that's a difficult thing to do because not only are you having to, animate the characters that much more you're also having to take the the backgrounds in, into account and you know create the motion there and especially in the environments that we were spending time in like uh, that, that was another thing that i appreciated about this planet not only did we get like 
vibes of the Mos Eisley Cantina and Tatooine, but there are obviously some, it was like a mini Coruscant in, in certain sections yeah. and whatnot. So like all the speeders flying by and everything like that. And the, again, I'll mention the, the particle effects when blasters hit something like that and the mm-hmm. explosion, like just all so well done. But I, I will reiterate the main thing that stuck out to me was the camera movement and the camera placement. Um, mm. Very well done. And I can just say this, the chase scene was pretty much, it, that was a straight up homage to the the Coruscant chase scene in Attack of the Clones when mm. Obi-Wan and Anakin are chasing after Zam Wessel. Even sure. to the point, if you go back and watch, a lot of the ships and speeders were were 100% designed from the same speeders that were on yeah. Coruscant. The I thought Alana I recognized the, the taxi. Yeah. yeah, and even that, some of Kiner's musical cues had the same as that, that chase scene. Not quite the guitar riff from Attack of the Clones, but it had a lot of the the, the heightened um, like like high notes and even some of the percussion in it matched so well with the Attack of the Clones scene. And uh, Which, if you're going to pay homage to a chase scene, especially with involving speeders, I mean, that's the best one you could do. So yeah. mm-hmm. Another thing you always want, and I go back to a lot of times when um, we were watching the first episode together, and it was just always said, I can't believe this is an animated show. The yeah. use of shadow and light, and like you were saying, the camera angles, it's literally done almost like a live-action um, production, and it's, it takes you out of it so much. And I'll reiterate what Catherine just said in the chat, is that everything was so easy to follow, the action was done so well, and it's, it's, it was so fluid and seamless that it's you, you almost feel like, with the camera placement, that you're there or part of the whole action, too. Yeah. So, kudos to them again. I mean, you can never say enough about the animation studio. Yeah, yeah I, I have, to, I have. To, sorry, I just have to bring up one sequence, like the fact that they chose to do it as one tracking shot. The fact that you get Finnick jumping from the the vessel that she was on that explodes, falling onto that other one, and then doing the tuck and roll to land. Like that was all. There was not a single cut there. So like that's just um, in, incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that you don't lose anything. You know exactly where the characters are, and nothing feels off. Yeah, it was so bombastic and, and incredible. Loved it. And, and I love hearing that because, like I said, I'm, I'm not a visually aware guy. I, I didn't notice any of those things. Uh, so I love hearing people talk about it. But I also I, – I did really enjoy it though. And like, Brian, I, I, it's funny you talk about it being an homage to a the Attack of the Clones scene. I feel like this was a like, okay, Attack of the Clones, we can do it better. Because and, – and maybe here I'm in the minority. I hated that scene in Attack of the Clones. I just felt it was so – it just felt very repetitive and like the same thing kept happening and everything was so <clears throat> over the top that none of it made any sense. This one felt so... Maybe because it's not Jedi, it's real people. And, like, you know, you see Fennec Shand fall, and then clearly she's, like, limping. It, like, mm-hmm. affects her. It just all felt much more like, yeah, this seems like real people doing things that have consequences in ways that I, I just absolutely loved it. And I was... I mean, I remember being in the theater during Attack of the Clones and kind of, like, being a little bored during that scene. And here I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Um, all right. So, what other things that uh, people really kind of jumped out about this episode? We're going to go into feedback in a little bit. So, anybody who has um, questions or comments, there have been some great ones already. But especially if you want us to read on the air, go ahead and uh, put it in the chat. Especially if you can t- uh, we're going slow enough that we can find it. But especially if you ta- tag Jay Scotty, uh, we can definitely make sure to find it. But uh, before we get to there, Jay Scotty and Brian, any other last things you wanted to bring up about the episode? I like how they keep, I think every episode we're going to see in this season, they're beating the whole chain code aspect of the new 
empire into our mm-hmm. hands. That it, that's why, because when they introduced that in the Mandalorian, it was sort of just like, okay, what is this? And now yeah. they're pretty much saying, okay, now that you know it here, this is 28 years earlier or whatever, this is what the chain code is for. And it's a yeah. little more, uh, it explains it a little bit better. It's still kind of confusing, but it's still, okay, this is, you know, the way that uh, pretty much everyone in the new, in the, the galaxy is going to be, you know, it's, it's basically like their driver's license. Yeah. And because we talked about how kind of, um, there's a TikToker named Jedi Starkiller, who I really love. I definitely suggest checking out his stuff. Okay. And he posted a TikTok earlier saying that he wasn't really sure how he felt about Bad Batch because he wasn't really knowing what the plot was. And I, I, I responded that I, I think there is a real plot here. And the, the plot, though, isn't about the Bad Batch. The plot of this season so far is about the slow kind of encroachment of the Empire and the Empire taking over. And even though we didn't get much of that, like we never saw Tarkin, we were never back in Ke- uh, Kaminoa, which I would have liked... I felt like there were two things we got that were so important to that. One is, Brian, what you were just pointing out. Like, we're seeing more of the chain code happening. But also the scene of all the people on this planet seeming so happy about what's happening. You know, like, I think one we talked about before is, you know, if if from day one everyone's like, oh my god, the Empire is so evil and terrible, you kind of wonder why everyone isn't part of the rebellion. Right. But what makes Tarkin and the Emperor so powerful is that they're good at manipulating people. They're good at understanding People have gone through this war. People have gone through this chaotic time. They want structure. They want order. And just that that little scene of the Empire being like, we're here, we're generous, we're helping you, and everyone being happy, it just gave me chills. Because it was just like, yep, that's that's how fascism takes over. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally agree with what, what you guys both said. And just the like the con- visual continuity, they're getting to see the hologram of Admiral Rampart again, like saying the exact same thing, kind of harkens back to getting to see, you know, Sidious's um, or Palpatine's address to the to the new empire and whatnot from a different lens. But um, the last thing I wanted to highlight, uh, BVK mentioned uh, some of the music, um, especially in in the action sequences there. But just Fennec Shan's theme is is incredible. Um, mm. I, I I love that. It was a real standout for me right there at the end of the episode when you thought mm. she was gonna kill that guy um for letting them get away but uh kind of subverts expectations there and uh can't wait to see the the next time we see the character yeah Yeah, she's a straight up killer for reasons but not just a you know in cold blood type thing she was doing it in the heat of the the moment and here if she would have just popped that guy for no apparent reason other than just him knowing she's looking for them i mean Mm -hmm. you basically don't waste an asset like that yeah yeah, I'm finding it really good, and I'm because I like that they're establishing. You know, the early Star Wars movies, much as I like them, are very clearly morally binary. You know, there's good and there's evil, and there's very little in between until you get to some of the later movies. I like here we're getting so many characters who are morally gray. You know, Fennec doesn't want to like you know a, she's not into like ha ha ha. I want to control the whole universe. She just wants to get paid and do her job, and if she has to murk people along the way, she'll murk people along the way. You know, and it's. It doesn't make her a good person, but it's also like, yeah, she's not just straight up mustache twirly evil. She's willing to do a job and kill the people who get in her way. Yeah. I also, yeah. one of the things that I just really loved was <clears throat> right that early scene where they land on the planet and the kind of dock worker, like the person who's like in charge of the, the space station, um, Wrecker tries to bully him and just be like, you know, are you sure you can't overlook that? And... At first, Wrecker thinks like, "Yeah, I use my strength," and then immediately the person's like, "No, no, no, I don't, I don't care about how big you are. I'm getting paid." And I, I just thought that was just a great moment of Wrecker having to remember like, 
yeah, you don't just solve everything with violence. You know, some people, you're not on the battlefield anymore. You just like being big and burly and, and threatening them isn't going to work. You sometimes got to cough up some money. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that just kind of came to my mind as we're kind of getting towards the ends of our thoughts here, though. Um, what did you guys think about the fact that Omega didn't know what a bounty hunter was? Like, I that kind of threw me for a loop there. I would think with like, does she she probably knew who Django Fett was? I mean, did she not know that he was a bounty hunter? What what is her her level of knowledge? We got to you know see how sheltered she was already in a couple of instances like discovering dirt and whatnot but uh mm-hmm. that was just something that I, I thought was a little surprising what do you guys think about that <laughs> i think it just shows how much either they kept from the main because in the clone wars it's obvious that the people that were training the clones on camino knew that they were based off of Django fed who was a bounty hunter mm-hmm. but with omega being pretty much raised by the Kaminoans, it, she seems to have been completely sheltered from anything outside of yeah. what she was privy to. And I don't think she was probably t- like in on a whole bunch of the whole who the, the template was or whatnot. So, I mean, it, it, again, I think that's just uh, pointing out how wide-eyed and innocent her character is and everything is so new and fresh to her when she sees yeah. it for the first time, you know? And my memory here is, and I, I haven't seen the, the, this movie in a long time, so I'm, I might be wrong, but my memory is that in Attack of the Clones, like when the Kaminoans are talking about Jango Fett, they they make they do not call him a bounty hunter. They just talk about him as like you know a, a, a you know an important like a, a great physical specimen. And so I can also understand that from the Kaminoans, that may not be something they want to bring up, you know, uh, when teaching Omega. Uh, so I and also on that same level, I love just that one moment where she she doesn't want to hide. You know, now that she's had a taste of adventure, the whole idea for her of, like, we have to hide in a planet, she hates that. She's like, no, let's go take on everybody together. Yeah. So that was really fun. Um, Agreed. So let's, let's go into some of the feedback. Um, yeah. And I just want to start with one thing. Uh, Catherine and then a couple of people got into a discussion of this pointed out that, like, how are we pronouncing the name? Is it Omega? Is it Omega? Is it uh, Omega? Um, and I, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts, but I want to say uh, Paul Hoppy, who's a Star Wars regular – he, he doesn't believe that 7 a.m. his time in California exists, so he's probably not going to be on one of these live watches. <laughs> but he is going to be on a um, – we're going to do kind of a special episode to bring him on at some point. He wound up uh, doing about seven hours of watching YouTube videos on the exact details of the diphthongs in the New Zealand accent. Wow. Um, to kind of like – and he, he kind of has this long thesis about how it's not quite Omega or Omega the way she's saying it. It's a sort of – it sounds like Omega to our ears, but it's a Omega – I, I'm not even able to pronounce it I at all. You. But, I made um, you. We're, we're doing a deep dive into the New Zealand accent, and we'll definitely be doing probably a whole episode on a linguistic depth that only four people in the universe want to hear, but you four people are going to love that episode. Well, um, in, in true Star Wars fashion, though, it's probably both because we've got Leia and Leah. we got yep. Han and Han. You know, it's it's it all depends on your vernacular, I guess. So it's yeah. Omega, Omega, it's however it comes out, I guess. Java, yeah. Java. Exactly. I, I've never heard exactly. Jane. I'm just I'm, I'm have... being goofy. I'm being goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a friend, uh, uh, Paul Bateman, who is a uh, he's actually studied with uh, Ralph McQuarrie for years, and oh, he cool. still calls the planet um, that Yoda lived on after uh, the events of Revenge of the Sith, Dagobah. Oh, <laughs> they literally say Dagobah in the movies. How can you not call it Dagobah? It's, it's like it's always Dagobah. Like, yeah. What? That's fair. That's so, right. but. And, and, and I think there's also, like, you can ask an interesting question of, does her character of Amiga, like, does she feel like they're saying the same thing, just that they have different accents? 
Or is she just fairly shy and has new friends and doesn't want to correct them and say, like, you know, that's not quite my name. Um, I'll be I'll be interested to see if by the end she does sort of say, like, hey, guys, my name's not quite what you're saying, you know, or if they just all chalk it up to they just have different accents. I think in this one, too, in this episode, the one point that um, well, we had alluded to, there's the one scene when they were doing the haggling and she found the like the the, the toy clone, like the, 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 the doll and then the, that whatever that animal was took it and she just ran off after it mm-hmm. to try to chase it no not thinking that she should have stayed or you know said something to hunter and next thing you know hunter looks and it's like oh crap my kid who i'm responsible for is gone so i think she mm-hmm. still has a lot of the she's her naivety shows through in so many things that she does but Definitely. i don't i mean it's not you know it, it's it's basically just for the fact that everything is so new and fresh to her yeah and i think that's not like I know some people have said that it makes it feel like a little bit too much of a kid's show. I definitely thought that the first episode. I was not excited to see her at first. I feel like, though, they're doing like a very good job, which is a hard thing, of having a child character without it feeling like it's a kid's show. Because to me, it's it's so much about her naivete and her learning and her being the fish out of water and not everyone having to dumb it down to her. So I'm, I you know totally respect those folks who are just like, eh, it's a kid on screen. I want nothing to do with this. But I feel like they're really doing a good job of it, which is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, okay, other, other things from the um, uh, commentary. People really happy to see Ming-Na Wen showing up. Um, if, well, if, if you want, while you're kind of like looking through the chat, I didn't have too many people tag me, but we did have um, some people in the Stranded Panda chat, the network that we're a part of. Um, there was a conversation that was started there by TJ Stafford, who's been great on all the shows I've ever been on. He's always been... A, uh, a great listener and, and always uh, supplies a lot of great feedback. So if you don't mind, I'll just read uh, what he it. said. So he's got, uh, okay, Hunter, I think it's time we implant a tracker on Omega because she's still <laughs> a kid and feels yeah. like, and feels the need to wander away a lot. Yeah. Kids and- just do that, buddy. Plan ahead. Or here's a crazy idea. Maybe start training her if you're going to continue <laughs> to bring her on your mission because this poor kid doesn't know anything about the galaxy and keeps stepping into dangerous situations. Either teach her to avoid them or teach her how to defend herself. Otherwise, pretty much every episode is going to play out like this. So happy to see Finnick Shan. She's quickly becoming a favorite. She was the best part of the episode. Also, Wrecker hits his head an awful lot. I'm convinced his inhibitor chip doesn't work because it was jarred loose by multiple concussions. Mm -hmm. So, a lot to chew on there. Yeah, I think that's great feedback. Thanks so much for uh, putting that up in the group. I'm glad we can talk about it here. I think it's a good point. I mean, I think that there's a certain level of Hunter is supposed to be like this great Hunter. He can track things. He he knows how they think. You got to at some point realize you can't just say to this kid, stay here and she'll stay here. Like at some point, I want to see Hunter make that connection. <laughs> and I think, like I said, with her being a kid, she automatically has that mentality of when she sees something new and it's like, oh, and then you sort of, you know, don't think about the consequence of them leaving it's just oh i want to check this out so they sort of have to i think instill that in her to you know be at least be mindful of her surroundings before she just runs off into you know whatever she's running after but even there i kind of feel like part of what we're learning is i mean she has the impulsiveness of a kid but also i think what we're getting is that when you've been locked up your entire life telling her that she needs to stay still is probably just gonna work you know Put a tracker on. Put like a little like low jack on her. You know, whatever you need to do. Like, <laughs> as long as they don't do that. The, as long as they don't put like that kid leash on her. Oh, God. The harness. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. That is just. Uh, uh, oh, I see people have that. And like, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm not a parent. I'm not judging any parents. No, no, no. Please keep the angry emails away from us for that. 
Uh, one thing people have uh, been pointing out, I missed, I'm not quite sure what they're referring to, but Brian, I wonder if you caught it. Uh, people are saying that Turbo showed up in this. Do you know what I, that's referring to? I think, that's, I think that's a reference to the DreamWorks, uh, DreamWorks movie, yeah. film that was about a snail that races. Ryan Reynolds voiced the snail. Um, it sounds okay. like tuck and roll might have been a catchphrase from that. I'm not super familiar okay, with it. Got, okay, so we're going pretty deep cut on that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also Haley Hobbs points out that Pen, uh, Pen, I keep wanting to say Pantera. Pantora, I'm going to add like, some of their music maybe at the end of this. Pantora <laughs> is a planet where we saw lo- Lothcats, uh, or just one of them, and we saw some Lothcats in this. I, I didn't catch them, but anyone else see them in the background? It, it had, like, yeah, they sort of had the resemblance, so I'm assuming that that is more of a, I mean, it technically wouldn't be, you know, a Lothcat because those are native to Lothal, but right. it's just like a, uh, uh, a species that is divergent from it that looks like it, and, you know, it's Star Wars. You know, we've got Jawas and off-world Jawas, so. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of colonization happening all different places. People can take, you know, um, there's 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 different animals that live all around the world now because people took them various places. So it's certainly possible that a loft cat type thing uh, evolved. But yeah, I thought that was right. another really fun little like fun. in movies when like they're on Mars and they say earthquake. Like, no, it's a Marsquake because it's not on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a generalization of something. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think that's all the feedback I've seen in the chat. Jay Scotty, was there any other uh, things you saw in the panda group? Uh, well, Zuhair, my co-host on Animation Deliberation, you know, I, I hate that he hasn't been able to join us on as many of these conversations as any of us would like, but uh, he did reach out to me with some of his quick thoughts on the episode, and he's got some some great insights here. So Go for he it. says, quick blabber on this episode. The animation quality with the lighting and contrast is so nice. The doll under the spotlight, the bay manager in the dark office, it looks so beautiful. I also watched Attack of the Clones the other day, and the sound effects between Obi-Wan and the Bounty Hunter were very similar in the scenes of this episode. Gotta love some good consistency. Hope that was spoiler-free enough, but I had to get it off my chest. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. And that's, again, where I am. I'm so glad we're doing this in partnership with not only the Star Wars Universe podcast, but the Animation Liberation podcast, because... I I feel like there's scenes... Like, to give an idea of just the level of, like, not a visual as aware person... I watched the end of the uh, the hallway fight in season uh, episode one, season two of Daredevil mm. and was like, yeah, that was really good. I, I kind of wonder what I liked about that so much. And yeah. my buddy Paul uh, said, well, you know, it was all one shot, right? I was like, oh, OK, yeah, I guess I noticed that now, you know, so I, I did, I'm not I'm focused on the story, the characters, the dialogue. And I love that you and Zuhair are catching that kind of stuff, because I think that's it's such an important part of what we're talking about here. Uh, we do have real time feedback from uh, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast itself. Uh, Matt Carroll saying season one, episode two, is what you're referring to there. Isn't that what I said? I thought I said. That. Oh, did you? Okay. I think okay. that's what you said. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's early in the morning. I'm not going to always get these things right. Well, <laughs> to reiterate your point too, when you were saying about how it's, uh, I mean, I think everything that is done through the Stranded Panda Network has is sort of like it, it, the, the collaborations that are done between. We have so many different people that have sort of a, a main focus but you could always grab from a group of people and say hey if we're dealing with this we can get this insight because this person or group of people have more of a <laughs> can dig or deep dig dig deeper into it so that's what's great about the whole network definitely definitely mm-hmm. um and i want to <laughs> uh, i'm gonna give jay scotty a, a, a chance to kind of talk about that but i just want to give kind of the last thing was there any other last feedback or comments we had from anybody uh that's that's all that i've got here Okay. So I guess then for the two of you, uh, can I wrap, start to wrap this up? Is there any kind of last comments, one last thing about the show that you didn't get a chance to talk about or mention? 
Um, no, pretty much we covered everything on my notes. Uh, just I have written really big, wide-eyed Omega, because it's just yeah. her. <laughs> and again, does this with uh, Wrecker's parental, you know, side of him that he probably didn't even know he has that he's so protective of her and like when she um when he finds out that when or not uh, tech locates her he's like i'm going to get her and just like runs off into the 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 sewer or whatever to, to go save her is mm-hmm. just so i mean like i said these characters their the character development for the characters in the first four episodes has been a lot more than i thought was going to happen and it's pretty refreshing i think so too yeah i mm. i i would like to start getting more about tech because i feel like he's still the one who feels the most one note to me like we're starting to get like that maybe because of his tech knowledge he doesn't see some other things um but like i liked when we, earlier in the season him and echo were having a lot of conflicts where they were both kind of coming at it from a similar but different viewpoints so i i want to see some more growth from tech but the rest of the characters i think you're right we're getting a lot more of hunter a lot more of wrecker um hopefully we're gonna get back to crosshair so, like i at this that's, point i would kind of yeah. love an episode that's just about crosshair and tarkin the other and, like, nice that yeah. that was going on or if oh, yeah. they do one where it's like it's a sort of they they come together in one episode is this from the perspective of the Bad Batch and then the next episode is the same scene but from the episode or from the perspective of Crosshair and the Imperials now. Oh, that could be good, yeah. That would be just interesting. But I think going back to what you're saying about Echo too, I think what's taken him a little bit more is the fact that he is actually he's a he's a regular clone. He was right, just right. one that was pretty much left for dead, and they rebuilt him after he was taken, you know, when they were, you know, basically had him hooked up as a living machine. So he's learning to not be the standard, you know, run-of-the-mill clone, and they're learning to accept him as being the, you know, he was, he, he did have the chip that malfunctioned, and he did have the the regular training, but he is now sort of becoming part of the Bad Batch, even though right. he was not technically a Bad Batcher. Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's definitely that sort of adopted thing. Who at first was kind of like, okay, I guess you can hang out with us, but now is very much like one of the team and has his own skills and, and stuff he brings to the table, which is pretty great. Well, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, just my last thoughts here. I mean, uh, I, I'm glad you brought up Crosshair. Just it's a testament to the show that uh, we had an episode entirely without Crosshair, and it still ended up being one of my favorite episodes of the season. And, and Crosshair is probably my favorite character at this point. So. Uh, just a testament to the, the quality of the show. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much, guys. Um, thank you so much, everybody in the chat. Um, for both of you, J. Scotty St. Clair, we've talked about how this is in partnership with the Animation Deliberation Podcast. Um, what else do you have g- going on? If people want to check out stuff on the Animation Deliberation Podcast, for example, um, I don't know, you doing anything else today, maybe? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, right after we wrap up here, we will be doing a live watch on the Stranded Panda Scener for MODOK Episode 1. That's on Hulu. And then that will be followed by a live cast that will be right back on this Twitch channel. Um, in addition to that, we did just do our uh, Invincible Feedback episode. So looking forward to getting that out there. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a fantastic time to be a fan of this content and animated content in particular. Uh Masters of the Universe just got um, yep. a lot of good imagery out there as well. Um, Superman and Batman have new series on the way, and I, I guess there's also an Injustice uh, movie that's down the road. So we we got a lot a lot to cover. So uh, I look forward to having you guys, you know, partnering with you in the future and, and having both of you guys on for various discussions. It's going to be a blast. Definitely, and I, and I just want to give another strong recommendation. Uh, I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say about Modoc. I know nothing about that one, so I'm kind of excited to jump in totally blind, yeah. but. Um, 
the way you all gave coverage of Invincible, a show that I looked at the previews of, had no interest in whatsoever. I kept hearing you all talk about it and got got pretty excited about it. And as, as I posted in our Facebook group, the warning I now have is that if you ever get me excited about a TV show, it means you have to then come on an episode of Superhero Ethics. And uh, yeah. Zuhair was good enough to let me kidnap him. Uh, we had a great discussion about a lot of ethical questions from Invincible. Uh, so check that out on Superhero Ethics, but definitely check out what you are doing on the Animation Deliberation Podcast. I think it's just, it's it's great stuff. And and to me, the fact that you both, like the highest endorsement I can give is I'm not, like I said, I'm not an animation guy and I don't like the visual stuff as much. And the fact that you can suck me in as well as get the people who love the animation style, it, it just I think is a great testament to what that podcast is doing. Well, and Brian you, Klein, like I said, you, you are not hosting anything yourself yet uh, on the Stranded Panda Network, but I know you do some hosting other places and you're kind of just a, our utility infielder at the network now. So, Tell us more about where people can find you. Um, you can find me. I do a regular podcast on the Star Wars Rebel Force Radio Network called The Babu Freaks. So if you want to check that out, uh, you could just go to rebelforceradio.com or their Facebook page. Or it, it, It's not that hard to find if you Google it. But on, um, like I said, I, I appear on a lot of the shows on the network. I, I'm in the, the Stranded Panded chat. I'm one of the mods there. So I interact a lot with people there. So just, you know, come say hi and talk about whatever right well and to all you listeners at home um please always feel free if you have uh, some time at 9 a.m central on friday mornings uh whether you're because you're not working till later or you're, it's earlier before work or just like yeah jobs jobs whatever uh always feel free to jump on with us here but also uh please always feel free to give us feedback uh, at any other time we're doing these obviously very soon after the episode has launched but i think we're going to try and make sure as we get more emails and comments uh, we'll start these episodes by talking about any feedback we got on the last one. So best way to find us, I do all my podcasting at The Ethical Panda. So you can go look for The Ethical Panda on Facebook or on Twitter. You can email me at ethicalpanda at gmail, theethicalpanda at gmail.com or go to the website, theethicalpanda.com. And that's where you'll find all the different podcasting that I'm doing. And of course, as we keep talking about, this podcast, along with so many others, is a part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. If you go to strandedpanda.com, you'll find all the information about that. If you search for the, uh, the first name, it's the Stranded Panda Podcast Chat Group. Is that the name of it? Uh, if you just search for Stranded Panda Groups on Facebook, you'll find it. We have more than a thousand members there. We have all sorts of discussions about these shows. We're actually very good about spoilers. Um, it's a 48-hour spoiler policy, so you know you, you are expected to kind of watch something pretty quick, but... You know, for those times when we've watched something and you can't watch it till the next day, we do make sure things are nested for spoilers. We really do a lot to make it a great co- uh, community. We have a pretty strong uh, finger on the boot button for any kind of toxicity. Really, we just want to make it a place for fans to have a safe place to just love what we love without all the nonsense that can sometimes go along with it. So please check out strandedpanda.com. Check out all the other great podcasts we're doing. To Jay Scotty and Brian, thank you so much. To all our people in the chat and who wrote in, Thank you all so much. You're awesome. Have a great day. Roger, roger. No!